Hi, everyone. You're in the ring with Mia St. John. Today, our guests are Tito Ortiz and Frank Shamrock. These guys are two legends in the UFC, and we're going to be talking about retirement and the difficulty that us fighters have when we do have to finally retire. So stay tuned. We have all that and more on In the Ring with Mia St. John. topics today is a very controversial topic, which I got in so much trouble for, and I don't know if you guys remember this. It was to the LA Times. What's his name? Pugmire? Pugmire. Yeah. Yes. He had tweeted something about um, Canelo being busted for steroids, whatever, and I just chimed. It was just like a, a fleeting moment that I said, oh, like, what's the big deal? Like, everybody does it. You know, and everyone went nuts. Like, I was bombarded with thousands of tweets. I had the LA Times calling me to get a statement. And so, you know, I felt like caught, like, in this, you know, circus. So I finally just, you know, admitted that, like, look, okay, yes, I did it for a fair number amount of fights. Um, and I'm sorry about that. And, and I regret it. Um, but you know, like I said, back then it's, it was kind of the thing, like everyone was doing it and I got so much crap for it. And then Jamil McCline, you know, our heavyweight, um, who was big in my day, uh, came out and said, um, yeah, he said, everybody, 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 quote, unquote, was doing it. Um, and, and of course, I, I didn't mean that everybody was doing it. What I meant was a, a fair amount of people were doing it. So, um, and I stand by that, you know, uh, uh, this was the 90s and, and that was the thing. So I'd like to hear what you guys think about that. Well, I, I think Frank was one of the ones that were there before I was there in UFC. Mm -hmm. And there was guys that did, did use it, and you saw them in their fights that if they were on it, because they'd gas out super right. fast. I mean, um, Mark Coleman, I mean, I'm friends with the guy, so I guess I can't say his name, but when he got kicked in the face by Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Williams or Pete Williams, oh. Pete Williams, and he went takedown after takedown after takedown, and right before the round was over and he got knocked out, he was so gassed out. And that was for a weakness to do the yeah. steroid to me in yeah. my mind. Yeah. And through my whole career, and I've never used it ever. I mean, I've smoked marijuana, I've drank, that's okay. about it. That's about it. Right. But I I I thought it was a weakness in a person that couldn't do it sober, couldn't do it on their own skills and their own technique because it's hard to train. When I'm training three times a day, six days a week for eight weeks, my last fight against Chuck was 18 weeks. Mm -hmm. And be able to do it on your own with your own mental ability, your own strength, and your own... That, that's honor. That's like... I mean, it's maybe different in boxing, but in MMA, it's a martial art. And I'm, I want to be the best martial artist ever. I mean, take after Frank. I, I've looked up to Frank since the very beginning. I mean, I remember, I, I remember going to him before we fought each other. And I had a t-shirt and said, Frank Shamrock on it was picture. And I asked him if he'd sign it for me. And I thought it was a joke, but I, I was a fan of the guy. Oh, the guy wow. was a, the world champion. And all of a sudden, I was fighting him. I mean, a young kid after only competing a year and 
I got a chance to fight Frank Shamrock. I was like, I'm in. How do I do this? <laughs> I'm in. Wait, I'll, you two fought? Yeah, we fought yes. each other. Okay, why didn't I? He's know the only that? Shamrock that beat me. I smashed his brother thought, three times. Right, I was gonna say I knew you fought Ken, yeah, Ken yeah. but I didn't know you you fought Frank. That's one of my losses on my record. I only really? lost to the really really good guys. Usually by decision, he's like one of the only guys that stole me. Besides, yeah, two other guys that stopped so, me. So Frank, you beat Tito. Yeah. I did, yes. How, what? He says that so calmly. He's a machine. So how, wow. Yeah. So tell me about that. I have to hear about that. Well, it's just a different era in the sport. Yeah. Tito was a, a much larger and very aggressive, you know, it was kind of the new generation of athlete. I was more of the older generations or the old, smaller martial arts guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were friends and we had a chance to fight. Um and then, you know, we fought. My advantage was I understood so much more about vascular training. And I was, right. my study was, was way further than Tito's at the time. And so, but, you know, Tito took me four rounds and almost kicked my ass. And then at the end. I was killing him for four rounds. And then all of a sudden I was like. He, here, here's the best part. He thinks he was the whole time. And the whole thing was a game. The whole thing was a game. But at the end of the game, yeah, at the end of the game. Uh, he was supposed to fall all dramatic and knocked unconscious with my punches, but but it didn't end that way. But what he did was what 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 real martial artists do. He came and and learned from me. Yeah. And I told him everything. Like here's a bit, bro. Here's what you do. Like you're a real dude. Like literally, like that. Everything. I think three months later, after I healed, it took me about a month to heal because we went through a war. I mean, it was we went through a war. So how long did it last? Uh, it was uh, four rounds. Four rounds. It was Fifteen seconds Almost. left in the yeah. fourth round. Four solid and, and rounds. And what happened? Um, I ended up tapping, tapping because uh, oh, I remember at the time, uh, Paul Herrera, who fought in the UFC, fought Gary Goodrich, and uh, Gary Goodrich oh, knocked him out unconscious mm -hmm. with elbows. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling my girlfriend, become wife, now ex-wife, uh, that if I was ever in a situation I didn't know where I was and I was getting hit, getting hit like that, and I could tap, I will tap. And That's right I, move, and, I, was, and, I was elbowing him in the back of the head with my elbow. There he goes, two words. <laughs> he was illegal. He elbowed me in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it technically wasn't illegal. Yes, it, it just was. wasn't as legal. I was a bad boy. They're like, I don't know, want this kid to win. But it was a good fight. I mean, like I say, I learned I so much from it. Yeah. I mean, it's like literally one of those things where you want to learn from your losses. And that's one of the losses I learned from. And I learned so much from it. Like, if you can't beat him, join him. So I went up to uh, train with him, and I learned the stuff he did with the heart rate monitor, and that's one of the things that changed my career for sure. You know what I, I love about, I've always loved about MMA, is that y you can tap out, and there's no shame in that. Whereas boxing, like, you literally have to keep going. Mm. Even if you know you're going to die, you're going to suffer mm. brain damage, You there's just no tapping out. Mm. And I've never liked that about the sport because we have so many... Um, so many fighters that, that do end up brain damage. I mean, yeah. look at Adonis, who, thank God, now he's he's okay, he's recovering, but we don't know how what his life is going to be. You know, he's, he has to relearn to, you know, talk and walk and all that. So we don't know, like, exactly what's going to happen. But I just feel like we should be given that opportunity, you know, as a fighter. I, I, I think they should take away the standing account. If they should take away the standing account, I think it would work a lot better. Yeah. If the guy can't if the guy can't defend himself. It's probably not a good idea. He continues. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if they took that out, that would help out boxing a lot. But at the same time, if the guy can't defend himself by big getting punched, and even if he is on his way down and he does mm -hmm. get punched, if he can't defend himself, the fight should be over. That should be done. Yeah. 
that should be plain and simple. I mean, that's how guys get hurt. I mean, I watched a lot of guys, a lot of guys' careers that have, were over after huge fights. I mean, they weren't the same after. And I'm, I just, it's boxing though. I mean, you got two weapons and it's your fist and the only thing you're aiming at is either the body, body or the head. Right. And MMA, and you got so many head. moves. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many different things of submissions, takedowns. Um, but once again, we don't have a standing account either. If we hit a guy when he can't defend, tells you to defend himself, that fight is stopped. Right. But I've always thought that MMA was a lot safer um, than boxing because there is a lot of time spent, you know, on the ground. Whereas boxing, it's just blow after blow mm-hmm. after blow. to and, and usually the majority of them are to the head. Yes. And this is day after day. Like sparring. Yeah, yeah. And we always hear about concussions in football. And I'm always like sitting there thinking, wait a second, like concussions of football. We suffered concussions a, a lot, you know, on a weekly basis, sparring, you know, and no one ever said anything to us or take time off or no, like that was unheard of. So what do you guys, what Frank, what do you think? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm a nerd first and foremost. So, you know, I study neuroscience. I study, you know, biomechanics. I'm like, you know, to me, beating Tito was a mechanical process with, with my machine, you know, but you know, the, the experience was to meet another human being, go through something powerful together. And then one of us is going to win and we're friends. Mm -hmm. So like, it was a wonderful experience, but anytime you bump your head and you see stars, you've damaged your brain. And this right. is what's not communicated yeah. to the general public, right. to sports, to kids, to everything. Anytime you bump your head and you see stars, you've damaged your brain. I only know this because right. I sit with neuroscientists and I'm like, guys, what's up with my brain? And, and please help me. Um, you know, I've been super blessed. And I understood early on because mm-hmm. of my nerdiness that you can never get hit in the head ever. Right. Like it's the worst thing for right. you. Because the probability that that jello shaking around will poke on something really sharp and that you'll damage your brain mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. always there. Right. So I was taught early on, because I went to Japan and stuff, I was like, you can never damage your brain. You can never damage your right. your computer, because then the rest of it's broken. So, you know, I had an offer to go right into professional boxing with Showtime at the highest level. I went to one boxing match, came back and said, there's no way I can do that. Like, there's no way I'm going to let people hit me in the head like that. Right. Because that's crazy. Right. And that's what's sparring. I mean, I'm, I'm 21 years in. I'll be 22 years in. I'm still competing. I'll be competing again this year, but the sparring is something that I've taken down a whole bunch. We spar three times a week. Now we only do it twice, maybe twice, right. only once a week. Only once a week. Right. Everything is drill and repetition, right. footwork, cardio, strength, everything that I need for the fight in general. Just taking the blows, I think you got to at least be able to absorb the effect from them to continue to fight. Because when there's other guys you just get hit, the, the, as Frank was talking about, the lights go off and they're, right. they're lost. They don't know where they are. And then all of a sudden, right. boom, boom, one more punch and they're dropping. Yeah. The fight's done. But we have to keep going like in, mm-hmm. in between rounds, even though our trainer knows, you know, like we're feeling nauseous, we're seeing stars. We, I mean, that's still no reason to stop. Like you yeah. got to keep going. That's like where Roberto Duran, he said no moss and ruined his career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why I said like there's such a, there's such a shame with quitting on, you know, on your own fight. And who's going to take care of me when I retire? And that was one of our next topics was because retirement is so difficult for a fighter. I started when I was six and turned pro, um, you know, in my 20s. And so my whole adult life, this is all I've ever done. So when you're faced with retirement, people don't understand like how difficult it is like, who am I now? 
you know, and I don't know if you, I know you're semi-retired or did you retire I, after I, the, I the did fight retire, um, after Chuck? Um, I really didn't retire after Chuck because I had a question and said if I was going to fight again, I was like, hmm, you never know, maybe. All right. Chuck lit a fire underneath me. And I, I mean, I had a question um, to Randy Couture. I gave him a call and I asked him because the guy who I look up to also, mm-hmm. and he fought at the age of 43. And I was like, what do you feel like at the age of 43? What made you keep going? What made you want to go after the world title? He's like, Tito, I felt like I wasn't done. I felt like I was young enough to continue to compete. He goes, how do you feel? I was like, dude, I feel like I'm 30 years old. I feel great. I mean, the stuff that I'm doing for my technology stuff, for uh, hyperbaric chamber and my uh, CVAC machine, things I do for the training makes me recover so much faster. The things I eat, um, CBD oil is another one. I mean, it has helped my career so much that I'm able to train and go through these three days, six days a week. 18 weeks of just pushing myself each and every day. But it is the love for the sport, though. I, yeah. I do love it. But then when I talked to him, he's like, well, if you love it, you think you got it, go yeah. for it. And I said, you know what? Let's make 2019. Let's give it a try. I, my body's good. Everything's right. I went through some serious surgeries that people don't come back after. Right. And I continue to win. So I, I like it. It's fun. It's nice to be in shape. And the summer's coming around, so it's nice being so good. Pull shape, you yeah. know. No, Isn't that great? At 44 years old, I can still have like a 30 year old body is amazing. I'm lucky. I've and never stopped training since I've been 17 or excuse me, 15 years old. I started wrestling just, my first year. Yeah, week. it's just in us. Yes. But, uh, and that's something I don't think like I, I still work out every single day, but you're fairly young still. And I retired from boxing in 2017, right? Honey? He went to my last fight in New Zealand and I was like, what? 40, I'm 51 now. I was 49. Yeah. And by that time, I was like, I never wanted to retire. Yeah. But I remember leaving New Zealand thinking, I am so done. I'm yeah. so tired. I can imagine six years from now how my body's going to feel. <sighs> I remember when yeah. I went to go train with Frank. And at that time, I think I was 21, 22. Frank, you're like 27. You're five years old than me, right? Yeah. I'm 46 now. 46 now, yeah. And oh, you're still fairly young, yeah. too. I remember him. I remember going to his house and in the morning, wake up to go train. I'm all up and I'll prep you to get me getting out of the bed. Like, ah, oh. I was like, yeah. what, you're right, dude. And he's all, just wait. Oh. What do you mean? Just wait. And he goes, dude, my body hurts so bad. Because at the time he fought in Japan. I mean, I, I followed the guy's career. I followed how he trained. I was like, I got to know how this guy trains. I want to know what he's doing different. And everything he was doing was totally different than I was doing. And I was able to adapt that to my training also because I come from a wrestling background. Right. And it worked really, really well for me. I was successful from it. How did you deal with retirement? Uh, not so good. I retired the first time just to get out of my UFC contract mm-hmm. and become a free agent. And then I retired the second time because the sport had basically died and there was no money in it. Um, and, what year uh, was that? I don't know, the second time in... 2001, maybe. Okay, something. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it was just like one of those, wow, there's no money, I'm going to get out right. retirements. Um, and then um, and then when I really retired was after I fought Nick Diaz in 2010, was the official time. But 2009, I gave it up. And I just realized I couldn't, you know, my body had run its course. I couldn't right. perform at the level I wanted to perform. And I wanted to be just the absolute best. Nothing else right. you know, got me out of bed. Nothing else got me excited than to try to be the best, you know. Right. And... Unfortunately, it was a time when being the best wasn't that important. <laughs> being a good showman, being a good, like, so I was at this weird, you know, time period where um, I was still the best and it wasn't enough. Right. And so I was like, well, am I going to become somebody else or am I just going to stop? 
Right. I didn't want to perform at a level that was beneath me. So right. that was real, really my my exit was, you know, it wasn't Nick beating me up. It's just that I went, every time I ever went to flip the switch, mm-hmm. I was able to win and do what I prepared my body to do. Right. And that night I flipped the switch and just nothing happened. Right. And so, you know, to me, that's, that's the sign. Right. You know, you go out to perform and you can't perform. That's your moment to say, wait a minute, maybe it's not my game anymore. And, and right. yeah, I mean, I went through depression, I, you know, I went through alcoholism. Like it was really tough for me because you know, the only job I ever had was I was a cashier at Payless in 1990. Mm-hmm. Then I went to prison mm-hmm. and I spent my, you know, young years in prison. When I got out, I was 21, 22. I went to Japan and became a fighter. Mm-hmm. So nothing in my life, you know, I, I was a prisoner. I was a fighter. I was a cashier. That's the only thing that prepared me for and got me to retirement. So when I retired, I was those three things. Yeah. And luckily I had money. Luckily I had opportunity and family and people to look after me. Because, you know, it was really, it was hard. I didn't know what to do at all. Yeah. Um, it was only through the charity work and through the community work and stuff and through connecting with other athletes and, you know, seeing that they're doing the same thing um, that I really, you know, grabbed some worth in myself and found other things to do. And it's right. also tough because, like, I didn't have to work anymore. So right. I could just screw around every day. But when you don't know who you are and what you're doing and what your value right. is and why you're supposed to be doing stuff, you know, then you get, you get astray. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, it's very difficult. I remember um, when I retired, I was I went through the same thing, like a deep depression, and uh, I was talking to Ray Leonard about it, um, and he actually said when he retired, I mean, he went through the same thing. You know, he was suicidal. He started doing cocaine. He started drinking, and I found talking to more and more fighters, I found that a lot of us end up down that path, and it's really sad because I think that. I felt like I prepared myself for retirement, but when it actually happened, like I realized like, wow, I, I was not ready for this, you know? Um, and it's still difficult, like dealing with it. But I think that, um, like one of the things that, that, you know, you were talking about was the public speaking, which I know helps a lot because you're helping others, you know? And I think that, that that's key is finding a purpose, um, and, and reaching out to other people. So, um, tell us about that because I, I found that pretty, I found, I actually found both of your lives very interesting and I very didn't know. Similar to a certain extent. Yeah, it's weird because I didn't realize that you guys had such a hard life. Yeah, I think that's um, why we got along really well. I mean, we're very common work. I think we're literally cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Literally. And it's kind of cool to, just to see and how he's came from his career of being retired and to catapulted into the public speaking stuff he's done. I mean, with me, I got to put on a totally different deal where it wasn't that I wanted to retire. I never wanted to retire. I got to a point in 2012 where I had to take care of my family. I got twin boys with Jenna Jameson, and I had to make a good decision that my mother had to make the same decision when I was 13 with my father and took me away from my father because he didn't get, get rid of his drug habit. Well, with my ex, she had a drug habit, and she couldn't get rid of it. So either you get sober or we're not going to be together anymore. And it lasted probably about seven months. And I said, enough's enough. I retired. Uh-huh. I wasn't done fighting, but I had to put my family together. And I did that. Right. I got full custody of my kids. Um, got a complete restraining order. And life has been normal. It's right. nice to have a normal life. And then I started fighting. Um, I got introduced, I introduced, uh, started dating Amber that I've known yeah. for like 16 years. Mm-hmm. She was the first green card girl. And she kind of came into my life as an angel, I think. Just sent down and... 
Yeah. She makes me become a better man, and I um, have worked hard to be where I am, but at the same time, I, I, I do it for my kids. Everything's for yeah. my kids because I was a kid that didn't have a dad. My mom was there for me to save me away from my father, but I never had a father figure ever. And I missed out on so much as a kid of just knowing what a father figure was like. I always hung out with the older guys. We always drank and smoked weed with the older guys, the punk rockers. That's what that's how I grew up. Yeah. But then when I got to that point that I had to make that decision, I couldn't be selfish anymore. And I said, you know what? I'm going to retire. I'm retired, but I'm retire. I don't want to come back and fight just because I had the hunger. But that was because my life was so straight. My mind was right. There was no toxicity at all in um, our relationship. I found a girl who cared about me, who took care of me. It was like, I came home. She's like, do you need anything? I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> she was, do you need anything? I'm, like, I'm good. I'm cool. I've never had a girl say that to me. I've always been the guy to take care of somebody. Yeah. And I've learned this through the physical art, through uh, therapy that I... Tito's shop, stop trying to find a girl that you could save. Why don't you find a girl that could save you? Yeah. And I was like... Yeah, let's see this. Wow. this, this, this. I did. I, I put my guard down, and I, and I did. And I'm lucky. I, I'm really lucky because I'm able to give my kids everything that I always wanted a kid. Yeah. But I, and I think that's why I still fight right now because I still have that hunger because it's great to get in the gym. My body's not shutting down. My mind's right. I go to, go to the gym and kill myself. I come back, and it's a happy house. My kids run out. Dad, jump on me and laughing. She's like, what do you want for dinner? And she's cooking dinner. I don't have nothing to worry about. It's like, That's a, like a normal you, family. Huh? It's, it's huh? a normal family. Perfect. Exactly. That's me and you. Yeah. I'm always like, how are you? Do, what do you need? What I, I, I think all, all women should do that. Problem, man. That's a, I mean, it's just, it's already sitting there. It's not you that way, but, but you're, you're good in so many other ways. I, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, <laughs> as a relationship, you should care about your partner enough to ask her if they're doing okay that day. I have a good partner though too. Amber is an amazing stepmother. She's awesome. Um, I'm just I'm very fortunate. And I think uh, Frank is actually in the same situation. I think as so we awesome. as we have someone supportive in our lives, we mm-hmm. thrive in it. It's yeah. just work harder. And I met I met your wife. Didn't yeah, I? Amy. That's yeah. right. At the, yeah. At, lunch, uh, at the yeah. yeah. I knew I was going to marry her because the first uh-huh. night that we hung out together uh-huh. and I slept at her house, I got up. And she had put toothpaste on my toothbrush. Wow. Wow. While I was still sleeping. It came out and I was like. Uh, Just like you, honey. Just like me. So she put toothpaste (laughs) on my toothbrush. Yeah, that's my job. I'm the dentist. And I knew then I was doing it. Wow. How long ago was that? 18 years ago. 18 years. Wow. That's, yeah, that's. In Hollywood, like that's an unheard of. That's why I live on Ventura. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you left. Now, Frank, you actually, I read, you are adopted. Yes. Yes, adopted when I was, uh, gosh, I think I was actually. I read that story. 20. Yeah, you were 21. When I was adopted. Yeah. <laughs> See, I know more. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> because I thought. I read about it. I, I, I never thought my dad, I, I, my, uh, my, I was adopted by Bob Shamrock, who I was in his group home in the Shamrock mm-hmm. Boys Ranch. Right. And so, you know, he called me his son, mm-hmm. and there was always this implied that I was his son. Right. But uh, it was never, I was never a son, son, until the day he's like, I'm going to adopt you, and here's the papers. Wow. And, um, and it was after my first fight. Like, it was all these different, unique things that happened in my life. And, you know, it was after my first fight, and I was kind of like, I felt like I'd found myself. Um, and then, you know, the man who was guiding me and, and was my father, mentor, everything was like, you need this name, you know, to complete what you're doing and yeah. you need to be my son for real. And it just was like, you know, wow. this is powerful. Yeah. I never, I'm, you know, I'm, I knew my dad for two weeks when I was a kid. He just died this last year. 
Um, wow. He passed away from like stomach cancer or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I never knew. I never had a dad. I grew up like Tito. I, I you know grew, yeah. group home dads, foster home dads, you know, right. guys on the streets. Um, but this was a man who saw me, you know, loved me, and then just you know made me a son, yeah. made me work for it, made me become a man to become a son. And those are the principles and things you know, talk about character. Yeah. You know, Bob didn't curse. He didn't drink. You know, you couldn't tell a lie. That's how things were. Yeah. So that's how, you know, that's how things are. Right. That's how I teach people because right. that's, that's how you become successful. Like that's yeah. how you become yeah. a true, you know, human being. Um, and this man for no other reason than I had a need and he had the, the stuff, you know, and the right. fact that he adopted me just changed my life. And that's yeah. what I, you know, that's what I talk about on stage. You know, it's like that. One person could do that. If he hadn't right. did that for me, I wouldn't be a world champion. I wouldn't yeah. have gone on this journey. I wouldn't have, you know, fought Tito, met Tito, right. beat Tito. Like none of this stuff would have happened unless right. that man stepped up. Right. You know, and that I think that's why it's so important. One thing I wanted to ask you guys is like, I know Shane's come to me many times. Like he, he's an amazing, uh, amazingly talented person. And, um, in boxing, he's extremely skilled and the martial arts, but I've always told him, like, I never want you to fight professionally, like ever, never, because not just, I think the, um, the injuries, you know, that we sustain, like myself, like I can't even tell you how many surgeries I've had to put myself back together, but just, uh, the mental part of it. Um, so is that something that you guys would ever let your own kids do? So my agreement with my children um, is my son, Jacob. He actually wrestles. He's been wrestling since he's six years old. And he's a uh, varsity team. He says, Dad, I want to fight. And he you know, trains with Henry Sudo, who's the world champion right now. Um, and I said, here's our agreement. You get your master's degree, you can fight. <laughs> and he said, first, really? Yeah, you get your master's degree and you can, you can fight. Yeah, I'll take care of it all. You get your master's degree, you could fight. He goes, okay. But he doesn't realize that he'll be 24 years old by the time he gets his master's degree. <laughs> and he's not going to want to. And then he's not going to want to because he'll get his business, because he's getting a business degree. So he'll, he'll take a wise up. Yeah, he'll wise up. <laughs> he'll wise up. <laughs> but, but he's still tough. I mean, and now he has a goal. He has a goal that he, he knows what he needs to do. Right. And he works for that. He gets good grades. He wrestles hard. And... After wrestling, he goes and goes, goes and does jujitsu with Henry Cejudo and does kickboxing. He does a lot of extra stuff, but he still works hard school. Right. And I want him to get straight A's. And my, my younger, my twins, one's going to be a manager. He already says, Dad, I don't, do not want to be a fighter. I want to be a manager. And my one's all, Dad, I'm going to be a professional WWE wrestler. <laughs> That's like his his goal. And I said, well, same thing goes to you. If you yeah. want to be a professional wrestler, you got to get your master's degree first. Right. He goes, really, Dad? Yep. Yeah. And they're straight students once again. I mean, they... The kids work really hard. I try to give them goals and set their goals and beyond what they think they can do. Because uh-huh. when they do fail, I want them to come back to me and say, Dad, how do I do this? And yeah. teach them how to like go over and over and over and over. I want them to fail a million times. Just as long as they learn each and every one time. Right. Like, one of those times they do it. Yeah. I think that's important. I think it's important in just humanity. You have to right. learn to fail. Don't yeah. be afraid to fail. Right. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Awesome. Make a mistake just knowing that you can do it again. Yeah. It's important. It's really important. I mean, I'm learning. I'm still learning. I mean, yeah. I'm 44 years old. And I'm still learning. Every day, I still challenge myself. And I try to do the right thing. And I try to. I do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's important. I mean, yeah. there's, there's two things I have the rest of my life. My name and my word. Right. I won't tarnish my name from anything, and I'll keep my word for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. And Frank, you have kids, too, right? Yeah. I got two kids. 20, 20 years apart. One's 30. A little boy. Oh, wow. Frank, he's now 30. 
And uh, is he a fighter? No. Um, I purposely did not put him in the martial arts. I taught him the martial arts. I brought him along, but um, we. I didn't want him to fight at the time, and specifically, there was no money, and it was a very dangerous, mm -hmm. dirty sport. Um, so I, I, I encouraged him to go to college and get an education and, and stuff like that. I think he, you know, had the dream like most sons. Mm -hmm. um, with my daughter, it was different. It was 20 years later. I had retired, and um, I erased it all from my life. My daughter didn't know who I was until she went to about the fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And the boys started saying, do you know who your dad is? Before that, I was just super wow. crazy dad because I didn't have to work. So, so I was the nanny. I was the sitter. I was, you know. I taught second grade yeah. PE. I was like super crazy and say no, dad. Because also, you know, with my son, I wasn't there during that time. Yeah. I was traveling the world trying to, you know, become a fighter. Uh -huh. So I missed his youth. And then for me, I don't, I don't remember being a kid. You know, all that has been erased from my mind. And I'm, I'm sure it's all the trauma that happened to me. Right. But I don't remember anything, you know, before I was eight years old and being locked in a closet. And that's the first memory yeah. of my life is this, this intense fear and trauma. And there's just nothing. So, you know, for my own soul, I thought it was so important to go back and have a childhood, mm -hmm. even if it wasn't mine, and then provide that for somebody else mm -hmm. because I didn't know what it was. So right. it was an incredible and empowering healing experience. I was able to spend eight years at home with my daughter mm -hmm. and just, like, watch a child grow and be influential and, and experience that, and it, and it healed a part of me. Mm -hmm. That's what allowed me to get up on stage because before that, I, I wasn't ready to talk, right. you know. But, but, but healing my child, then, you know, I was able to go out and, and help people. Right. You know, now I'm changing people's lives because I can talk about it. And before that, I couldn't. You know, it was just too hurt. It was too right. painful. It was too, too much. And I'm, I'm going to assume that, and tell me if I'm wrong, that both of you have experienced depression. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Always after fights. Always after fights. Always after fights. Even, Why when, is even it? when I win it's or the, lose, the, it's, it's, I think it's the yes. training. I, I think it is the contusions to the head, being punched yeah. and, and sparring. I mean, my last fight, I really didn't get touched at all, but in sparring still, we spar a lot. I sparred a lot for it because I was fighting Chuck. I mean, I lost him twice and I wasn't losing to th him three times. I didn't care if people said how slow he was or whatever. I was preparing for a world champion, and that's what I thought. Yeah. And I want to make sure I didn't get touched. But after the fight was over, probably about, I mean, it was Christmas time, so I do have a bad start, a bad remembrance of Christmas when I was a kid, but I just shut the doors, black out everything, just turn yeah. the TV on. And just I love just being in the room by myself. It's the weirdest thing. I, I could sit there for a day and yeah. do not do anything at all and just be shut out from anybody. But it's just, it's just another thing, too, is I have to be on everywhere I go in public. Because yeah. people do who know who I am, and they always want to ask for pictures. They always have a question. Yeah. When are you fighting next? Who are you fighting next? Congratulations on your last fight. Just crazy things all the time. Yeah. I mean, i got to be on. So when it's time to unplug, it's nice just to go yeah. home and unplug. And, How do you deal with depression? Um, well, I, I found another thing. Uh, it's called a CVAC machine. It's in um, Ascent Adaptation in uh, Newport Beach. Uh -huh. And it uh, simulates altitude, and it pushes me in pressure up to 25,000 feet. Um, and it clears my mind a lot. It helps, wow. it helps a whole bunch. I've used that a lot before my, before and actually before all my fights and after the fights. Because okay. any type of swelling on my head, yeah. any type of swelling on my face, I go through about four sessions of that and the swelling's completely gone. Wow. I mean, it, it helps a lot. I mean, talking to people, of course. Yeah. Reaching out. Don't be afraid to reach out. You got to reach out. Yeah. It comes that serious where you have to reach out. I mean, kind of a point when I was like, should I be retired or shouldn't I be retired? And I was like, you know what? 
Let me call the man who did it at 43 and became the world champion. Hey, Randy, <laughs> go to her. Wow. Should this be the right thing? And it made me positive. It made me a motivation in my mind going, yeah, let's give it a try. And I think it's just staying positive. Don't let a negative mentality take over your mind because once it does, it'll take over your whole body. Yeah. And that's in all areas, not just fighting, in life in general. Yeah. The people you're around, who you surround yourself with. is who. You, I learned as a young age, who you surround yourself with is who you become. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought I was going to be a pro wrestler. I thought I was going to be a um, Hulk Hogan. That was my idea. But by chance, I started fighting. It was luck. I watched yeah. uh, a guy who I wrestled in high school, Jerry Bolander, who's a guy that uh, trained with Frank. Did you ever train with Jerry? I was his teacher. He was a teacher, yep. He was I was teacher. everyone's teacher. Yeah, he was a <laughs> and I, I wrestled him in high school, and he, he won the UFC. And I was like, hmm. At that time, I trained with Tank Abbott, and I was like, I was his wrestling partner. I was like, hmm, I wonder if I'd try this. And so how would I do? I fought UFC 13 for free. I was a. Uh, wow. Yeah, I was an um, amateur. Well, I was an amateur wrestler, so I couldn't compete professionally or I'd lose my scholarship for wrestling. So mm-hmm. I said, you know what? Hell, I'll do it for just for fun. Let's do it for fun. So I fought for free. And I could have collect twenty five thousand dollars that night. I didn't. Wow, Damn. it was what it was. But I learned. I, I, like I said, I, I found something that I fell in love with, yeah. and it was the attention. Because I was a kid who never had attention. Yeah, it was like all of a sudden people who cared about me. I was like, this is pretty cool. And the harder I worked, the better I became. Yeah. And then I fought Frank, and I lost to him. And I was like, I can, I can be a world champion. And then he left, and I fought for the vacant world title against uh, Vanderlei Silva. Beat him, and it changed my life and it was like it made me believe in myself it made me believe that i can do it because there were so many times that people told me in my whole life that i was a piece of shit and i couldn't achieve anything in life yeah they told me i was gonna do it like no way right the first time i fought against jerry bolander friends like dude you're not gonna beat him why would you fight him watch me beat him and i just of all my fights if i thought like that i would do really really well and i i thought that same thing against frank i'm gonna smash this guy and the more I smashed him, the, like, the more energy he got. I was like, oh, what the hell wow. is going on? I have to Google this fight. <laughs> it was, it was, it was one of the best yeah. fights in UFC history. It's, it's, it's the first yeah. rubber dub ever. Yeah, it's the first rubber dub ever. Oh, my yeah, God. It was. Did, you, uh, did you guys ever have a rematch? Nah. He wouldn't He's do too it. Big. Why? He wouldn't do it. Because I showed him all the secrets. <laughs> and he kicked my ass afterwards. Of <laughs> course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm incredibly intelligent besides good looking. <laughs> You're a good fighter. He actually is. He's yeah. very, very smart. We don't share that first fight. Did you always want that? The yeah, match? Uh, yeah. yeah, I did. I did for a, like almost a half a year. And then he was like, no, we're not doing it no way. And then that's why I fought Vandalay Silva. And then when he signed with Strike Force, and I was thinking about re-signing with a different company. And I said to him, he's like, you're crazy. Look how big you are. You're like a monster. You're big. 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 You're Weight category. No, 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 I'll wow. Work, I'll work from 225 down to 205, and I'll be 225 fight time. Okay, so what do you guys have coming up? And then I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Rifkin. About, he wants to talk mouthpieces, which I know is so, many, so important. How many of us have had our teeth damaged by our fighting careers? 
None. None. Never. You never had a damage? I've had the same person to make my mouth piece since 2005. Wow. And, 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 these are real. Uh, but these, I, I, the, these two, because I broke one of them in half when I was a kid. I fell off my bike. And, oh, okay. And then I just got the other one so they'd match perfect. So. Okay. Just, just these two. Friends. You never injured them in fighting. Never. Um, yeah. So the mouth mouthpiece I have never once. So the mouthpiece I have it's actually a mold infit on on very top first, and then the bottom one is just an imprint, like imprint of my bottom teeth. So when I locked down, it literally there's probably like a half an inch movement. So it's kind of squishy. Wow. Squishy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I actually I fought. Um, who was it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And not go through that housekeeping. Phone's off. Phone's off. That's your That is great. I fought Yuki Kano in Japan to defend my world title, and he hit me with the flying knee. I went to go shoot at the same time, and he hit the flying knee, flying knee, and I thought I was knocked out. It hit me and made me do a backflip, and I bounced back up to my feet, and I locked onto him. And I guess I said, "This is John McCarthy." Said that I said. I go, is that all you have? And I squeezed and I body locked to the ground and I smashed him and I choked him quick. But it was from that mouthpiece because it, it literally absorbed everything. Like wow. I got the hit straight That's, up and absorbed everything. So it's really amazing that you haven't been injured, but I think the fact mm-hmm. that the, that you have a mouth guard is so important. So I can't imagine any athlete, any kid, not having a properly fitting mouth guard. I think that the over-the-counter mouth guards are better junk. than nothing, Neither but they're junk. junk. You have to junk. have them made. Yeah. So that it fits you precisely, comfortably, so you can breathe. So it goes up underneath your lip so you don't get your the edge cutting your lip from yeah. getting hit outside. And if your jaw is braced in the back, and, and I'm interested to know about you, Frank, too, as well. Uh, if your jaw is braced in the back, then the joints, like in here, I like to show this skull. You guys probably know this. You know the anatomy. You're, yeah. you're the nerd, right? Okay, the geek. So you got to have that jaw back, that temporomandibular joint back. Because if it's forward, if you make a mouth guard with your bite, with the mouthpiece forward and you get hit in the side, you have less bracing. And probably neurological science, neuromuscular science will show you that your strength can be uh, impeded by not having your jaw in the right position. So uh, does that work for you guys? You guys uh, live it. You explained exactly what I was explaining when I got my first mouthpiece. Uh, That's the way it should be. Yeah. Because when I wrestled in college, we'd have mouthpieces and we'd go buy the ones that you go and drop in the hot yeah, water. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that was like, when I fought Frank, I think that was like one of the mouthpieces that I had. So you just drop the water and you just bite down and, and hopefully it stayed in your mouth. Yeah. Um, but then as I came to learn how they have them wrapping over the gum, like yeah. it'll wrap literally over the gum and yeah. it'll, as you said, push the jaw backwards or keeps yeah. it tight, keeps yeah. it blocked. So when you do get hit, yeah. it's not that bad at all. Well, I made this one for me because when I first met me and I knew she was a boxer, I figured, shit, I better. Smart. <laughs> you better bite down. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> I wear it to bed, especially if we get an argument. We get an argument? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Put this thing in. It's like a suction cup. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah, I've seen uh, a lot of injuries avoided like from that. And Frank, okay. how about any injuries to your mouth? No, I'm super lucky. Um, don't get hit, right? I don't get hit, number one. And then number two, um, I'm, you know, I, I just, I know the science. So I was like, you know, this, this thing's a handle. You shake the handle. Anything in the T-zone is going to shake the brain. So yeah. I went, you know, I pursued the best of the best and tried to get, you know, the most protective humanly possible and then find out the science behind it. And then conversely, like, you, you, if you see me fight and you watch the Tito fight, you'll see how big my neck is. And what's happening there is what I can't get rid of, I'm absorbing in my neck collar. Yeah, exactly. And my you know, my, my brain is is concussed and getting right. damaged, but you know, there's there's absorption tools mm-hmm. and that's the reason why my neck was so big. I was just never big enough. So if a yeah. big guy hit me, 
He'd always use his forehead. Yeah. He would, he'd lead if I can't forehead. get out of the way, you're going to yeah. hit the thickest area of my, right. my skull and right. I'm going to hurt your hand. I mean, Tito's hands were jacked from hitting me in the head so yeah. much. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, getting hit in the head. I know yeah. about that defensive technique. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's all there was. <laughs> back in the day, bro. Hey, hey, listen, don't look at me. I am just hit him with an elbow and he cut on top of his forehead and I got his, like, there was nothing saying that you couldn't dig a, a, a cut. I was trying to dig in this cut with my He's thumb. Digging his and I was trying to rip the cut he open. stretching it open. I was trying to stretch it open. Naughty I was trying to make it worse so they could stop the fight. I was like, man, I'm wow. almost gasped right now. I was like, I'm going to Hurry, stop the fight. I mean, Let him make like, him bleed more. It was literally like, I mean, I... Last man survived. That's what was in my mind. It was just the last man survived. That was, cor- that was corner man advice, though. That was John Lober. <laughs> no, John no, 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 dude. I'll you can hear it on the tape, bro. No, I'll stand here. He did that. I did that all on my own. Oh, my God. I, I, just, I just remember looking at him, looking at cutting his head. I was like, make it bigger. Uh, <laughs> uh, he goes, that was, he goes, that was cheap, Tito. I'm like, you, you dirty bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yelling at him and I'm yelling at John. Oh, it was good times. That is so yeah. funny. I can't wait to Google that fight. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, Me too. Okay, Me so too. Frank, what do you have coming up? Um, I am speaking next and teaching next bare knuckle boxing for Green Table Investment Fund in Aspen, Colorado, which will be in a couple nice. of weeks. Uh, speaking on behalf of cannabis, we've raised $100 million. We're looking to make some acquisitions and roll up in the cannabis space. Um, and then the next day I'm teaching all of the investors my bare knuckle boxing program, which is part of my Warriors Code, which is part of the executive leadership program that I'm teaching to Google and a bunch of other large corporations. Wow. In and where can time. we find you? Uh, I'm at Frank Shamrock everywhere. Okay. And your website? <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> FrankShamrock.com. Okay. I'm everywhere. <laughs> and Tito, what do you have coming up? Um, where can we find you? Well, of course, you can find me on uh, the internet of uh, Tito Ortiz on Twitter. Uh, Tito Ortiz. Yeah, where can we find you? Like, what do you find where's you? your home? What's your oh, address? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you speak to your address? Zip code. Everybody knows that. Dude, it was stuff. He's got enough paparazzi around. Can you drop a pen? That's funny thing. Actually, paparazzi used to come to my house, and I warned them to come to my house. And they said, "What do you threaten me?" And I go, "No, I'm promising you, do not come." Not a threat. They never came back. They never came back again. Uh and on uh, Instagram, Tito Ortiz, 1989. Um, of course, Bonner is Beach. Uh, things that are coming up, I have a speaking engagement, I believe, in Arizona for a young Latino. Um, just okay. to get back. Um, uh-huh. Kind of the hard things that we go through as young American Latinos that, you know, we get challenged for. And different sides you try to pick and you try to pick the right side. But I try to say the right things and do politically correct. Um, yes. I'm not too politically correct. So I think uh, that's my honest. problem. I'm honest. And I say it the way it is, and yeah. people don't like the truth sometimes. Uh, but, you know, it's just uh, one of those things. I'm excited. This is my first, my first speaking engagement that I've wow. done. Uh, I used to do Congrats. them back in 2006, but I did them for mortgage companies. And I did the same thing of teamwork and so forth, of how you know how the people be either you're training behind you or training with you, how much better they can make, and just different things that I talked about uh, doing that. Uh, of course, I went to Iraq, speaking to the troops. You know, give them 30 seconds, or excuse me, 30 minutes to an hour of their time. All of a sudden, they feel like they're not in Iraq. Feel like they're yeah. back at home. Yeah. So, uh, honey, where can we find you? Oh, you can uh, find me at uh, drlawrencerifkin.com. I'm on Instagram at drlawrencerifkinddds, and uh, I'm right here. And Shane, where do we find you? Uh, oh, that's right. This is this is uh, Dr. Rifkin's office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is here, man. That's all right. Shane, where'd all the honeys? 
find you? Oh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at shanevanpeebles.com. And I'm at Mia St. John Boxer. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for so you're doing. You guys are doing an amazing job. Thank for you. The thing you started uh, that I got an opportunity to come to. That was amazing. Yeah. Helping guys like this guy, man, coming up, right? Working hard, brother. Thank you.